He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā 4 and 5 films mō te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. May we boundlessly dream of possibilities beyond our wildest imaginations. I dream of a world where we can be our fluid selves. May we weave communities of support, compassion and active solidarity. I dream of a world where we can come together. May we walk into a future that is connected and thriving for all. I dream of a world where Māori people have got our land back. Where Pakatapui can be free. Where Indigenous knowledge is recognised. And as we heal Te Taio, we naturally heal ourselves. My name is Kahuka. Kutia and this is Hikakanoa Ho, season two. Piki mai kake mai. Na taonga tukuiho, na tohu tohu iwai hotia ira toma. There is so much guidance and so many lessons in the knowledge that we have inherited from our tsipuna. In the last episode, we've really heard about some of the ways that our matauranga can be healing and empowering. But I'm left thinking about all the gaps. All those things that were intentionally destroyed as a result of colonisation. They were lost before our komatsua had the chance to pass them on. So here we are, sifting through archives and cupboards at the back of Nan's house, going out and asking all of our pakeke these questions, acting like detectives as we try to get closer to all of the things that our tipuna knew. When so much of our culture has been lost, it's totally understandable that we would want to protect what we have left. But a culture also needs to grow and innovate, and that's the work that really excites me. This episode is about the reclamation of the knowledge of our tipuna, and we're going to meet just a few of the people doing that important mahi. I wanted Takatapui to, to come home within themselves. And taking it to exciting new places. Can we shed some of these British oppressive cuffs we have on our sexuality? Just so you know, this episode does contain some cordial about sex. So maybe don't listen with your nan or your children, unless you want a whole lot of questions. Car smells like chicken. <laughs> We're still in Te Waiariki, but we've left the valley for Whakatane on the coast. We're off to see some of my mates. Well, I say mates. Let's go meet my friends I've never met in person before. <laughs> my internet friends. <laughs> Let's go. So that's the point when three Sagittariuses meet in person for the first time. These internet friends that we're meeting are Lane Cable and Sarah Hudson. They're mamas, friends, artists and researchers. And together with Jordan Davy Ems, they've started a witchy, arty, decolonial research collective oh called Kowai Raro. Oh yeah, yeah. this is my... <laughs> Front studio. I've been following Kowairaro on Instagram for quite a while and just watching in awe as they make all of these amazing paints and dyes and beautiful art objects, all with materials found in the Taiyao. When I walk into Sarah's house, I really don't know where to look. In front of me are these shelves and they're filled with pigments in so many different colours. To the left I see a cabinet filled with bones and plants and the walls are covered in these beautiful artworks and I mean, to be honest, I'm just in heaven. Isn't that amazing? 
I just it's, it's amazing what you can so do with earthy pigments. That one there, that all those colours from there. Sarah shows me a painting of all the colours of the rainbow. And that rainbow up the top. Cool. We gathered all them one day. This rainbow is painted with Fenua colours they collected at a place called Te Ahiowa. An abundant spot for Kaimwana, uh, which we always knew. Um, but recently we've also figured out uh, earth pigments and clays as well. One of my favourite things about following Kowairaro is seeing their weekly hiding out to collect art materials. They call these Kowai Fridays. For the last year and a half, we have carved out our Friday mornings to um, be on the Fenua looking for earth colours. And it's also a time when we go and chat with people and yeah. visit them on their Fenua. So today, I have the immense privilege of joining Kowairaro for one of their KR Friday trips to Te Ahiaua. Te Ahiaua is on the road that leads you all the way out along the east coast. We're about 10 minutes west of Oporziki. The Waiotahi River finds the tidal mouth here and flows out to sea. It can be really peaceful, even though there are some pretty massive trucks speeding by um, every few minutes. And oh, other trucks, other milking trucks. Being here on this beach is a big throwback for me. I used to come here to collect pippi with my whanau when I was a kid. I can remember digging my toes into the soft sand right in front of us, playing with the little tiny crabs, climbing up the orange banks of clay. Lane has similar memories. Yeah, collecting pippies after going to the rodeo. Yeah. Um, my dad making us get in when it's like freezing cold in winter and being like, oh, do we have to, Dad? <laughs> yes, you do. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. When Kowairaro first started these weekly trips, it really was just a bit of a hobby, but it's evolved to be so much more than that. What do we call yeah. it? This is research. our um, research and art practice. This is right? just our cultural practice now. Yeah. <laughs> carve out a Friday morning to yeah. practice. So partly KR Friday missions are for collecting raw materials to work with in their art. Every time we gather, we make paint, uh, we keep a raw sample and we uh, make dye as well, like a textile stain. And but Kowairaro also catalogue everything they collect and that's the research bit. Even though we mostly gather and harvest in our own raw hair. If we are ever out and about, it's finding out who are the people of that spot and acknowledging them in our records. When you're going to a new place, do you have a process of like learning about that place before you go there? or Definitely when it comes to the names, eh? I think that's something that we try to do every time we go somewhere, is like making sure that we're giving it its correct name. Like its original name. And like Ohope, there's different places we go to, like Ihukatia, which people probably know as like Porta Hope. Te Horohoro is another place in Ohope that we go to. Shark Hole, that's um, Te Kopu or Te Ururoa, those, those names, and remembering them and making sure that you keep saying them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would encourage people to do that with their artwork too when they're using. Fenua in the art is to reference where that Fenua came from and who lived there. Because I think that that 
it acknowledges those resources but also yeah. brings it back to that this is a this is a Māori material yeah. we're Māori contemporary Māori artists extending this really long lineage of of creators who have used this material um, so yeah show show your whakapapa show your work mihi to them and the whenua yeah In every area, the whenua has its own colour palette. We've come to Te Ahiaua looking for orange, but Sarah's also got her fingers crossed um, for a little bit of green pigment. Lane's lined up a little workshop with some Ngāteau Komatua. <laughs> so I need, we need some material to make some paint with them. It doesn't take too long to find our orange. Yeah, that's the one. Do you want to feel how smooth it is? It's like kind of slippy. Oh, uh, yeah. That's clay. Such a bright orange too, eh? That's yeah. beautiful. The clay is soft and squishy and slimy and touching it, I kind of feel like I'm back in Kohanga again. And I mean, this process actually isn't too different from little kids going out into the taiao and touching everything with their hands, really getting curious. So to find things that's workable, to find rocks that are workable. Uh, we just go around and touch heaps of different rocks. <laughs> <laughs> like, we look at a rock and like, oh, that's a pretty colour, and then we touch it. <laughs> See if it'll work. <laughs> so simple. So simple and so fun, but Lane and Sarah do have a specific goal in mind. If we can grind it by hand to a fine enough powder that we can then turn into a smooth paint. Um, so it's all kind of similar type of whenua. Sometimes things can be gritty or have bits of pumice in or have be really sandy and we can't kind of grind that down evenly as easily. Um, so if we get a handful of clay, it's got no stones in it, that's really easy and workable for us. We sort of just work with what's, what's, what's easy, what it wants to do. Yeah. Sarah's actually got like a, some kind of bone right now. I've got a bone because um, to save my fingernails yeah. from scratching on all rocks, I can scratch my bone on the rock <laughs> and to see if it's soft or hard. Just being here with these two, I'm thinking about how many colours must be there all the time in our backyards. But some types of whenua are more rare and you do have to look a little bit further. Kokowai is one of them. Kokowai is iron rich earth. It's this beautiful it red ochre that's often found in volcanic areas. And it, it was used by Atupuna as an art making material, ceremony, it's a rongoa, it's a sunblock, keep the sandflies off for painting. There was also beautiful practices of adornment, so like makeup, um, painted cheeks, foreheads, lips, bodies whole bodies. Sometimes you can see kapahaka ropu have a red 
Sometimes that's kōkōai. Sometimes it's house paint. Sometimes it's acrylic. I didn't know anything about kōkōai before I saw it pop up in Lane and Sarah's mahi, but it's always been a really significant resource for Māori. Yeah, like it's always listed as like quite a bit as like trading. So that'll be like trading um, harakeke, da-da-da, kōkōai. We're like, okay, but where is this kōkōai that you're talking about? Yeah. You've probably heard the Purako about the creation of Hinea Huone. She was our first person, first human. The first wahine made by Tane from the red earth at Kurawaka. And Kurawaka is like the vulva of Papatonaku. I always think of that when you talk about the iron rich of Kukuai and then Hineahuone being made from that blood of Papatonuku, that kukuai that Hineahuone was formed from was the ikura of Papatonuku. As well as getting down on the taiao, the Kowairaro Collective also do things like combing through old books, listening to Purako, scouring through old government documents that list trade resources, all in the hopes of rediscovering a new piece of knowledge. That's how they found some really solid kōrero about kōkōwai in Nerohe. We're on this motere, and we weren't completely sure if there was colour there or particular colours. Like we were, I was hoping for reds and stuff but not no expectations sort of went there with like whatever if we find something that's pretty cool and then we got there and got to a particular place and there was just like the most beautiful reds and like the quality of it was just like (laughs) it was so beautiful it was so red that we cried (laughs) i cried i was like there's a battle man on my it was a moment it was beautiful The abundance eh, is not just like we're not talking about just the tile or like the clay, it's like from people as well, like the matauranga that we've been given or people who have shared with us is like, yeah, there's been many, many um, sitting there and we're just like crying, <laughs> crying from all of their sharing or like what they've given us or, yeah. yeah. Come away and go like, whoa, did we really sit at their feet and get to listen to that? Yeah, there's like a bit of a fucking awe afterwards sometimes, eh? Because it's like, whew, that was that was a lot. These wahine really do feel like the coolest detectives you will ever meet. The deeper they go into the research, the more they learn, and the more they can connect new knowledges with stuff that they already know. Sarah tells me about the people who lived on her fenua way back in the day. Yeah, peeps who lived where we live before Matatua Waka. We're called Tehapuoneone, so birthed from the earth, earth people, soil people. Yeah, I really like the the lineage. The, the, yeah, 
the lineage of kukuwai and it will just oni oni will just clay and dirt in general. Yeah. yeah. I feel super connected to this mahi um, in like a real physical sense. It gets us on the whenua, it gets us walking, it gets us touching. Mm. Yeah. We'll come back to the beach, but now it's time to go meet someone else. Because reclamation mahi is happening all over the country. And there's another cool example of it in Te Whanganui Atara. A little while ago, I got to go see the most incredible show. And the curtains literally hadn't even raised yet. And these crowds were going insane. Brown people. Brown people. Brown people. Oh my gosh. But it was so good. It was this dance show called He Tangata, directed by the person we're meeting now, Jaden Rudafe. And every single Takatapui person ever was there, you know, of all generations. It was a big whānau gathering. Yeah. The show kicked off the 2021 Wellington Pride Festival, which Jaden was also the Takatapui arts director for. My pronouns are they, them. Jaden is a director, choreographer and artist and part of Wellington's absolutely stunning Takatabui community. But Jay wasn't always super connected to te ao Māori. Having all of those stereotypes that were around Māori, I really, like, tried my hardest to be Pākehā and for so long. And it wasn't until I moved down to Wellington and met some of our beautiful whānau down here that I was introduced to the word takatāpui. If you've never heard the word takatāpui, it's a really cool example of knowledge reclamation. In a dictionary of Te Reo Māori from 1832, takatāpui is defined as an intimate companion of the same sex. This word was reclaimed in the 80s by some of our takatāpui pakeke, and today is embraced by many Māori who identify with diverse sexes, genders and sexualities. That is always something that defines me and defines my art as takatāpui because it makes complete and, and perfect sense of who I am as a person. What I love most about the word takatāpui is that, as well as encompassing these diverse sexes, genders and sexualities, it's also emphasising our whakapapa Māori. I'm acknowledging both my gender identity and my whakapapa at the same time, woven together as I move through this world. It's just, it's so, much, it's so nice to have something that I can like explain to myself that, that that's what I am. And that is who all of these people that I, like, love and care about so much also identify as. And that we, we've made this, like, tight-knit whānau of takatāpui that I've never had before and that I've never seen before. And now it's, now it's here. It's beautiful. Tangata was co-directed with Paris Alwood, and maybe the best part for me was the karanga by local kaiwaiata and one of our favourite witchy aunties, Te Kahurere Moa, 
calling to Takatapui to take their place on the marae once again. We know that there are these colonised whakaro about sexuality that have really influenced how some of our people see Takatapui tanga. And these days, unfortunately, many Takatapui do still feel out of place on their own marae. But of course, Takatapui have always been here. The very existence of this word gives us a clue of that. There are taonga in museums here and overseas depicting Takatapui stories. We only have to look to the Pacific, where we see so many diverse, queer, indigenous identities, to know the truth. But along with colonization came Christianity, and the idea that heterosexual and cisgender were the only two ways to be. The, the whole reason that we don't have our stories is because of colonization. I had to show colonization, because that's an important part of our whakapapa. We're not able to decolonize without reflecting on colonization and the impacts that it has had on us. I hadn't seen myself represented in a way that I would like to see myself. I didn't see Takatapui ever. There was no stories about me. There was no stories about us. And I felt that that, that was like a necessary thing that that had to be showcased because we've always been a part of Te Ao Māori. So why are we not, like, why are we not here like all the other stories? And so then I basically just kind of thought about the creation of Takatapui, like who, who are we? Where is, what is the essence of our wairua? Where, where did we like receive our modi from? There's a poem called Ko Kōtea, which was written by Elizabeth Kirekire. And this was one of the things that helped inspire he tangata and answer some of Jay's questions about gender and sexuality. Funny enough, this poem was written by Elizabeth when she spent time in Roatahuna, where I come from. You quench my thirst when I never thought to be satisfied. You feed my soul when I thought I would always hunger. Born of Papatuanuku, you are the soft weeping of Ranginui, the elusive presence of Hinepu Kohurangi, the tremble of Ruomoko, the allure of Hinemwana, the home of the Kokotea. You were born of Papatuanuku, you were the soft weeping of Ranginui. Like those words were in such a spiritual way, so connected to me and my whakapapa that it just made perfect sense that this would be the way that I would continue on this story from this little this little poem Being in that room seeing he tangata was honestly one of the most healing experiences for me and everyone else in the audience it was tense and emotional, but tender and inspiring. And there was this amazing voguing scene that had the whole crowd screaming. It really brought something home for me that I've been thinking about a lot lately, that the work that we do has two parts to it. Yes, we need to investigate, criticise and bring down all of these harmful structures that we know originate in colonizer whakaaro, things like homophobia and transphobia, which are not natural within te ao Māori. But the work of fighting every day can be really draining. So we also need to make sure we have space and time for the things that replenish us. That show was not 
about me. That show was not for me. That show was for Indigenous queer people. And that that was a really important thing that I had to carry for the entirety of the project because I felt the need to do it for my community, for my people, to give back to them. I wanted Takatapwe to, to come home within themselves. Back at the Ahiowa with Sarah and Lane, our corridor turns to the Tafmahi as well. Do we get do we get angry? Do we get to um, get rage out? Get oh yeah, oh yes we do. Surely. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes yeah. we drive past and we can see colours over the fence or up in the cliffs or on farmland. Um, but we can't get to those colours. You know, we don't have access to that land to gather and harvest. So that's yeah, we do get a bit salty about uh, access to whenua. Yeah. I think that was like came up about lockdown, eh? We were talking about lockdown and accessibility and like who got to like be at the beach and by the harbour and that wasn't us. I was like gridlocked in Taniatua with like not really anywhere to walk around and yeah, they got it all over there. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's get there anymore, to... eh? Talk about reconnecting yeah. with your whenua when you're surrounded by multi-million dollar homes that you will never be able to afford yeah. to to occupy those lands again. You know? That's yeah. that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> we always joke about how um, like this practice we're like taking like a lamb back by like spoonful of colour. <laughs> it's like a bit of a joke, but um... it's one of those jokes that's not really a joke. When I was at Sarah's house earlier, I noticed some stickers lying around that talked about Opihi Fanonga Kore. It's a place that means a lot to Lane. It's like a 30 year fight. Um, my hapu's been a part of that since the 80s. They really put themselves out there for, um, yeah, for the tipuna buried there. Lane grew up here in Whakatane. Apart from being a full-time mama and a member of Kauairaro, she also spends a lot of time at different iwi hui. Recently, that's been hearings about Opihi Whanaunga Kore. This place is a really significant site for anyone who comes from the Matatua Waka. It's a sandy spit across the river mouth from Whakatane town centre. There are old urupa there where tipuna are buried, and the site is also used for burials today. Developers want to put housing on there, including a retirement village. Natiawa are very much opposed to this because it is a wahi tapu. Developers say they're not building directly on the urupa, but as Lane sees it, their urupa extended from the end of the spit all the way to the nearby suburb of Coastlands. Yeah, and so we're saying a big fat no to that. Yeah. Don't build on our tipuna's graves, especially that... Um, place is so ancient, it's like the cradle of Matatua, but even before that, so we're talking about like Te Waka Waka, this is Maui's grandson, talking about Toi Kairako, Awanui Arangi the second, all these people, so yeah, there's a lineage of Whakapapa, not um, just Ngāti Awa, Tuhoi, but um, 
the wider Matatua iwi as well. Yeah. You can hear in Lane's voice how hard this stuff is, but like so many others, she is determined to keep fighting. For her, there is only one right outcome. It, it was actually that simple. It's like land back, give us our land back, let us be able to be kaitiaki of our tipuna that are buried there, leave them be, don't disrupt the ambience or the tapu of that place. It's getting a bit windy, so we head back to the car park and jump into Sarah's van. <laughs> we pick up right where we left off. Yeah. And when we yeah. talk about land back, we're talking about water back, we're talking about ceremonies back, we're talking about our sexuality back, our bodies back. Kowaro's latest art project is an exercise in reclaiming Maori sexuality and bodies, exploring this question. Can we shed some of these British oppressive kind of um, cuffs we have on our sexuality and play. They're doing this in the form of a zine called Paru. Paru is like really, it's us getting naked in the tile and taking photos and like cackling with our mates and like having ideas and trying them in a really safe space surrounded by women it's super empowering yeah. and funny and funny sexy. As. and Hot as. Yeah. This is that other mahi that I was talking about, the stuff that is fun, silly, affirming, safe and empowering. And I think it doesn't get as much credit as it's due. Sometimes I think the most empowering thing you can do is to just be a bit crack up with your mate. <laughs> like, honestly, when we, when we found that spot of red yes where that was so red and we cried it was about that big we'll put our fingers in it and like it was it was wet and we it was like we it was kind of a spiritual experience right <laughs> but we were also cracked up because yeah. we're talking about the fingers in the hole <laughs> <laughs> it was like brought back that like pudako of Tanya um, trying to have sex with Hini Ahuoni and he's like trying to find which hole to suppose Classic. Yeah, they never know. <laughs> Sarah and Lane actually cop a bit of flack for Paru from some of their friends in Fano, which like I get it, it's oh. funny as. On my t shirt today it says horny for land back. <laughs> It's written in an old English font, so old English can read it. <laughs> <laughs> so horny for Olympic. <laughs> Give it all back. Yeah. It's interesting that they get teased when, as I said earlier, our people are not shy about talking about this stuff. Anyone who's been on the marae listening to the stuff that our nannies and kōros say knows this. No, you know, like, the nannies when they're talking about it and talking about, like, their husbands and... Yeah. My nanny had 14 kids. You know, <laughs> they don't just come out of nowhere. Like, that's a, that's yeah. a practice in itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a full catalogue of my hero. Right yeah. yeah. I have, like, polyamory and, like, my... Um, Koro, my great-grandfather, he had kids sort of like all over the show, but he always had like a wife, but he always had girlfriends as well. 
is yeah. bringing it's bringing practices back. It's re- reclamation, it's yeah. decal, yeah. body sovereignty, yeah. all those types of things. Mm. Mana motuhaki, yeah. Yeah, it's just a bit awkward when your cousins give you shit for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it yeah, feels yeah, so yeah. nice just sitting all together in this cramped van, having a corridor about Māori sexuality in this way, having a bit of a witch cackle about the whole thing. But then Lane like, says this. That there's lots of like really conservative Māori out there. And I think that comes from Christianity. And I think Christianity is a best friend of colonisation. It makes me think of Jaden. A lot of our whanau are, are still in that colonised kind of thinking. And for some, that will be really hard to unlearn from and heal from. And maybe that won't happen for a long time. But we just got to keep reminding, keep pushing those those stories, those kōrero out to all of our whānau. Because I feel that sometimes we're in this bubble in our hapu where we feel like, oh yeah, everything's good, everything's real cool, like we're like learning our whakapapa, we're having these beautiful kōrero about like being Māori, being takatāpui, and then we step outside of that bubble and we realise that we're actually not on the same level of thinking as some of our other whānau. That's pretty hard to to go into your communities or like even go into your marae and not feel accepted like wholeheartedly by everyone who is in the room. But I think that we just yeah, we just have to keep pushing us into these spaces. We can't be like holding back from from being ourselves, from being takatapui, because then that's just, that's exactly what the colonizer wants. Mm, we cannot let the colonizer win. No, we cannot. No. It is time, it is time for us to, to tell our stories to our people who have, who may have not ever heard of these stories before. But we get to do that now, not the colonizer. We get to do that. What might our world be like if Takatapui babies could grow up seeing themselves actually really reflected in their culture? Just seeing how Jay put together her tangata reminded me how important this all is, to see yourself reflected in the world around you. I dream of a world where Takatapui are woven harmoniously together with Te Ao Māori. And back in our cramped van at Te Hiowa, Lane and Sarah also have big dreams. I dream of our mātauranga being accessible to all Māori, being connected to your hapu and your marae. I dream of land back, yeah, like we said before, ceremonies back, mātauranga back. I dream of a world where Indigenous knowledge is recognised in a meaningful way. I dream of the fall of capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, hard because I think what's well, that? Crown Wilson Indigenous. We had to rise again. Piece by piece, our people are taking back all the knowledge that our tipuna left for us, wearing it anew. There are all the ways that we respect and uphold cultural tradition, and there are also all the ways in which we grow and make things exciting and reflective of the world we want to live in today. I'm so grateful for the likes of Lane and Sarah and Jay. Their work helps me understand myself. They're creating taonga, carving waka, that can carry us into the future. Coming up in our next episode, we're going to have a pretty tough discussion about whakamomori and suicide. So we're heading to a pretty dark place. Me, I was young. I was, I was still trying to understand what, what was going on. It was my first, like, funeral I've ever been to. Never been to a funeral before. Don't know, you know, don't even know what death is. In the hopes of shedding some new light. Our tūpuna will come and gather those that have been neglected so if we can't look after them they will He Kākanoa Ho was hosted, produced and co-written by me, Kahukutia. Melody Thomas is the other co-writer and producer for the series She also edited with the help of Kirsten Johnstone Big mihi to our production assistants, Tahira Mayo Nahi, Briar Pormana, India Logan Riley, Rebecca Parangi. Our accounts manager is Alison Pierce. Our reo advisor is Jamie Tehuya Cowell. Mark Chesterman is the series engineer, and Ursula Grace and Francis Morton are the executive producers. Music for the series created by Ruby Soli, Ma, and Ranui Mars. And our cover art is by Huriana Kopeke Teaho. So many thank yous to our poets and creatives, Ranui Mars, Zimbri Aulani, Marati Kay, Taranaki Young Grace, Trinity Thompson-Brown and Sinead Overby. Big mihi to the folks at RNZ, Megan Whelan, Shannon Honui-Thompson, Justine Murray and Tim Burnell. This podcast was made with the support of RNZ and New Zealand On Air. The final big thank you is to all of our kai kōrero who shared their thoughts, hopes and dreams for this season of He Kākonoa Ho. We are so grateful. This kaupapa is for generations of Indigenous babies to come. May you be grounded, may you be hopeful, may you always be able to find your way home. Aroha nui. <laughs>